0: This is Advice for Life with Lynn, Season 2, Episode 5, Today's Issue, How to Get Through Your Darkest Hours. But at this point, your emotions are you're whacked. You're, I'm wa- I, I, I was whacked right? you're,
1: at, from being sick, right. from being, losing a child, right. from, and, and my marriage. And during this whole point of me being sick, I kept telling my husband... You know, he came with me to the doctor at first, and then he just stopped showing up. He just didn't want to have anything to do with
0: it. So there you are by yourself, 80-some pounds, diagnosed with a very serious condition, uh, just lost your child. Now your husband kind of walked away. How do you... What did you do? How'd you pick yourself up? You have problems? She has answers. Getting down to the nitty gritty with people who know what they're talking about. This is advice for life with Lynn. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at lynn.com slash audible I love the word free. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can get them from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi, everybody. Every single one of you listening to the show right now has gone through something. You either didn't get the job you wanted, lost a parent, can't get pregnant, or late paying that Macy's bill and now you got that nick on your credit. I hate when that happens. Maybe you're divorced, hurt your back, or found out that your boyfriend has been cheating on you. Maybe even your husband. All that stuff sucks. And sometimes all that stuff or some of it happens at the same time, which makes it even suckier. Now, it's really important to remember that one thing isn't more important than the other. This book that I learned from and teach from called uh, The Course in Miracles says there is no degree in difficulty. I didn't get that for years, but what it means is it's all difficult, whether it's a hangnail that's causing you pain or somebody is diagnosed with cancer, it's all important. Pain is pain. So don't compare yourself to somebody else's stuff. Don't compare your important to somebody else's important. Today, we're going to talk about how to get through personal pain. My guest, Shereen Sandoval, will share with us on how to get through life's darkest hours. She's going to teach us how to get through a crisis. You know, when we feel the universe just backed up a truck full of poo and dumped it on top of us. I say poo because, you know, well, whatever, take that part out because I was going to say shit. Okay. Um, you know, when we feel we can't take it anymore. She's going to share her own incredible story of how she got through her darkest hours of emotional and physical pain so we, hopefully, can learn how to do it ourselves. Time for Lynn's Confessions. All right, top three things on my mind today. Number one, I don't have the courage yet to share with you my darkest hours. Number two... I'm worried that if I do, everybody's going to know that I don't have it together, (laughs) which you already know. And number three, I confess that I have a big birthday coming up, and I hope that nobody remembers and that everybody remembers. Psycho.
1: Background check.
0: The background on today's guest. Okay. Shireen Sandoval is an entertainment reporter and co-host of the fabulous show Deco Drive on WSVN. Full disclosure, we host it together. Shireen is my friend. I love her so much. She's beautiful, smart, has great fashion sense. She's a big-time fashion blogger, BTW also, and has traveled the world interviewing nearly every top celebrity. Yet, like everybody else, she's had her tough times, big time. Shereen married a guy she was madly in love with. She moved to New York to be with him. She has been a good wife. She gave up her career to make a new career and trying to make the marriage work, of course. But soon, she discovered major problems in the marriage. She dismissed them, thinking that they could work it out. Shireen says she felt empty in New York, so they decided that she would move back to Miami, and they would just commute, you know, commuting marriage. And that's when she found out that she was pregnant. Shireen was so happy to be pregnant, but at six months, she lost her baby girl. The heart-wrenching experience, as you might imagine, tore them apart, and the relationship was over. Right after that, Shireen got really sick, and nobody knew what it was. She was finally diagnosed with something called Guillain-Barre syndrome one year later. She could barely walk, and she was 86 pounds. She had several life-saving treatments that were not easy or cheap, but rallied. Shireen has been through hell and back. But not only did she get through her darkest hours, she came out stronger and, I think, extremely compassionate for herself and others. Shereen, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, let's start with a marriage. At one point did you say to yourself, hmm, this is a problem, and how did you handle it?
1: I think I actually knew the day that I got married, and I was in denial, but... Yeah, so I think it was pretty much right away. And I think that if you know that right away and it's a problem, hello, don't get married. But I did because I thought, you know, no one's perfect and I wanted this relationship. So I moved. And I would say when I first got to New York, I really tried. It's very, very hard there, especially if you're not used to that type of lifestyle. And he would work 15 hours a day. and never saw him. So the communication obviously was not there and it just, it, it broke down right away. So I, I, I just, I tried, I tried and tried and then I couldn't try anymore.
0: I said, hey, you know, I'm going to go back to Miami. And that's when, like when you say you felt empty, is that because you never saw him and you're trying to make it work in a big city?
1: I think probably a little bit of both. And, and perhaps uh, I felt lonely before the marriage and maybe that came out because sometimes we think we're, we're going to fix ourselves by getting married or mm-hmm. changing up your life, but you carry these problems with you and they just become maybe more significant. And
0: you didn't know that because, I, you know, I was going to ask you, Do you, were you just hopeful things would work out or did you just not have the tools? It sound like, sounds like you didn't have the tools. You didn't know. I didn't know.
1: I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to fix myself.
0: Join the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think you've oh, I already asked you that? Um, when you moved back to Miami, what did you want? What were you hoping for?
1: Happiness to find myself. Uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of my identity was with my career, like most women, whether it's your your wife, your mother, I had always had my career. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll go back and kind of start again and see if, you know, if if that is going to fulfill me. And I came back and, and I still felt lonely. I still felt like something was, was missing. What was missing, you think? Uh, mothering. I needed to be mothered and I didn't know that. So my journey was probably, I think, looking back at it, mothering myself, but figuring that out too. What does mothering yourself mean to you? Well, I think it means different things to different people, but taking care of myself learning my weaknesses, my strengths, not being so hard on myself. But I think ultimately loving myself and accepting myself.
0: Tell us how you felt when you found out you were pregnant.
1: What was that like? Well, I was happy, but I was also concerned because my relationship was not good. It was not strong. And now here I was in a different city. So I was going to be pregnant alone. But I, I was very excited. Very, very excited. And how did he feel? I think. He was conflicted because he also knew the relationship wasn't great. So, but sometimes, you know, when something comes into your life that's positive and, and, you know, a new life, it can give new life to a relationship. It can bring you closer together and it can also
0: tear you apart. So you were hopeful.
1: Yeah, I I was hopeful.
0: Looking back, being in a a commuting marriage and being pregnant, what was that like? Well, I mean, I can only imagine that... You know, like you said, your marriage is on the brink. You're trying to make it work. You're pregnant. You're having to do a lot of things by yourself.
1: Yeah, well, I was exhausted and hungry. <laughs> so um, it was tough. It was tough, but I just I, – I, it was something I wanted. So you, when you really want something, it doesn't matter.
0: When you lost the baby – I mean, I don't want to ask it. what was that like? I can – you know – a lot of women have gone through miscarriage, and every loss is different. But when you lost your baby, did you feel anything like that before in your life? No, no. It's the loss is you
1: can't even put it into words. It just was. I was crazy. I, I really feel feel like I went crazy. I just was in a really, really dark place. You know, just trying to keep my head above water. Describe your crazy. Like, what do you mean? Well, I think it just seeped into everything. You know, that's how grief is. It mm-hmm. it just it manifests itself in in every facet of your life. Um, I shopped a lot, I ate a lot, I drank a lot, alcohol. Um, I was very excessive. I was trying to fill a hole. Mm-hmm. I was trying to to feel something. I felt empty. I think that's the best way to describe
0: it. Yeah. And you, since I knew you back then, you, you know, didn't know how to, how to handle or how to heal other than that. I had no idea.
1: I didn't even know, I didn't know where to start. And with something like that, even when you have loving people around you and a loving family, which I didn't, but, but it's even hard when you have those support systems. Grief is very singular too just like illness. It's something you can't describe for someone else. It's, It's very singular. It's individual. Everybody has it differently. I mean, you can commiserate, but you don't really, I think, truly know what it is like for someone else.
0: You couldn't know. There's no way. So take me to where you were when you lost the baby and you realized your marriage was over. I mean, these are pretty dark moments, right? You have a like double whammy right there.
1: Gosh, I think I was just trying to survive the grief of losing a child. I think the marriage really took kind of a, a backseat. Um, it, it was a lot. I, when I think back on it, I'm, I'm a completely different person. So it's kind of hard to look at myself. It's almost like, oh, that happened to that person. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But, um, I just wanted to survive it and get through it and try to figure it out. I didn't even know I was trying to figure it out. It's just something you have to do. It's life. It it's it, it was dealt to me. So I'm like, wow, okay. It
0: it I I can only go up from here. How were you trying to figure it out? Like what do you mean by that?
1: Um, well, at first I was in denial and then when I started just having behaviors that I normally would not do, I was very excessive. And um the excessiveness was—I I see now—and and would later learn in therapy. It was about smothering the grief, mm-hmm. about filling a hole. So, being in that moment and knowing that my marriage was falling apart and losing something that I thought would bring me happiness and a life was just—it was—it was, it was heart wrenching. Yeah, you know? it left me very empty and bewildered. That's a good word. Yeah, I was just
0: like, wow. Well, the the wow became even more of a wow when you got sick. So, how much time between? I mean, I think you got sick right after you had the baby, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you were starting to get sick. Yeah, or show was symptoms. starting to get yes, I was starting to get sick. So then you were basically sick for a year. Take I was me, sick take for me there.
1: Okay, so the first time the illness started to rear its head, I re- I remember it very clearly. I was walking with a laundry basket. And you know how laundry smells when it comes out of the dryer? It smells so good and it's Mm -hmm. like warm. So you're walking with it. I was walking with a big bundle and all of a sudden my legs just gave out. Just my knee, like, and I fell and I had a sharp pain in my back and I couldn't get up. Like I couldn't walk. It was just so sudden and and I made this noise. It was like a guttural, like Mm. pain. I was like, was that me? Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, I must have hurt myself because another thing I was doing excessively was exercising. Right? Just anything, anything excessive. I wouldn't go run two miles. I'd be like, I'm going to go run 10 miles. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I must have just ran too much. But I'd go run 10 miles and then go to Pilates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was the first moment. And then it would continue over a couple of weeks. So you got up from
0: the laundry and you felt better or like it went away? No,
1: I went to the bed and I laid down. I was uh-huh. actually very scared. And okay. I called my husband and I said, you know, something happened. Something's not right. It just feels weird. And he's like, oh, well, you know, you probably just pinched your you know, a mm-hmm. nerve or, you know, whatever. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And over the next couple of weeks, I would have a few of those episodes where I, my legs would not work. Mm-hmm. And then... um, I just started to get uh, neuropathy in my hands and my feet. And neuropathy, the best way to explain it is tingling and numbness. I'm mm-hmm. um, starting on my toes and in the tip of my fingers. Mm. And it just
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: and it just started uh, ascending. So in other words, it started crawling up my legs and up my hands. And I would just go around asking people, I'm like, have you ever pinched a nerve? Right, or, that's what I would think. tingling and yeah. numbness? And people would be like, no, no and i went to go see an orthopedic surgeon mm-hmm. thinking that you know it was something in my bone i didn't know and uh i think he knew right away he was a really good doctor he goes i'm going to send you to the chief of neurology um, at mount sinai and i was like okay well, well why and he said i think i don't know i think you i just i i i think this ha- may have to do with a virus mm-hmm. And strangely enough, after those symptoms had started, or actually prior to, I had had a very, very bad case of what I thought was the flu. And it was two weeks of it on my back, like sweating, like crazy, Mm -hmm. like fever, like I could not work. I couldn't. I remember. Yeah. I was so sick. And Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, well, I I got the flu. And then after that is when the... But we wouldn't connect those dots until later. So he sent me to the chief of neurology, and they did some tests on me. And he said to me, I think you could have two things. He said, you either have Guillain-Barre syndrome or you have transverse myelitis. And I was like, what the?
0: Mm -hmm. Guillain who? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Transverse what? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's like flipping a coin. So I'm going to say you have transverse myelitis. So, So I went and I looked it up and... Um, you know, after you get a virus, uh, you know, and I can't remember a lot about the myelitis now uh, transverse, but, you know, uh, on the bridge of your back by your spine, um, uh, you can get the neuropathy, uh, etc. So I w- it went on for about a year and I just got worse and worse. Because they I were could,
0: treating something that you didn't have.
1: They basically weren't treating it. They oh, were like, okay. they gave me some pain stuff for, for neuropathy. But I just kept getting worse and worse, and I couldn't walk, and it was just, I I was getting where I was. I I moved like a 90-year-old woman, Um, and I was just so desperate. I lost so much weight, and and I just started to look for answers myself and um, research, and I ended up at the Mayo Clinic, and at the Mayo Clinic, they told me that I had a classic case of Guillain-Barre syndrome, and that um, I had probably gotten a virus. Not probably. I did get a virus that sparked Mm Guillain-Barre, but it became chronic because it was
0: not diagnosed right away. It had been a year at this point. Yeah.
1: And uh, then we just kind of decided what I was going to do from there. And I just couldn't believe all this stuff had happened to me. And one thing that the Mayo Clinic is really big on is when you become ill, they want you to be able to handle it emotionally, which is really smart.
0: But at this point, your emotions are you're whacked. You're, you're, I'm
1: wha- I I I was whacked.
0: Right? You're, at,
1: from being sick, right. from being losing a child, right. from and and my marriage. And during this whole point of me being sick, I kept telling my husband, you know, he came with me to the doctor at first and then he just stopped showing up. He just didn't wow. want to have anything to do with it. And I you know, I don't blame him. It was quite traumatic, everything that happened. Um, but he just checked
0: out. So there you are by yourself, 80-some pounds, diagnosed with a very serious condition, uh, just lost your child. Now your husband kind of walked away. How do you – what did you do? How would you pick yourself up? Carefully,
1: very carefully and and lovingly. Um, they put me in therapy and I got with a great therapist and she changed, changed my life. And man, she, (laughs) she, it wasn't just the illness. There was so much under it. When she cracked the nut and got inside, she's like, wow, there's a lot of shit in here.
0: What was the main shit?
1: I think it was the mothering. Mm. It stemmed back to being a child, not having a great Childhood, and not having a secure relationship with my mother. And I just had stuffed it in, stuff, 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 and didn't really even know it was a problem. She would, you know, and I, at this time I was estranged from my mother. I really wasn't talking to her. And um, she just said to me, you know, we really have to deal with this. So I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I don't have a problem. No, no. Well, denial works for a little while
0: and yeah. then it stops working.
1: And she told me, she goes, you know, I used to hate my mother too. And she said, unfortunately, my mother died and I never got to make peace with it. And I want, I don't want you to be like that. And I was like, well, what does this have to do with my illness? Right. Good question. Everything. Right. Everything. And another thing, when you have, a lot of people don't know this, but when you have something that's very emotional that happens to you, um, it reflects in your body.
0: Of course. It's
1: all, it's all one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you burn yourself or you cut yourself, you have a scar. And we also have emotional scars that, that last. And if you don't take care of them, then they just seep into everything. And, and that's what had happened to me, I think. So she cracked me open. And, and along the way, she taught me how to be an advocate for myself. So when I was sick, I learned everything I could about my illness. I learned how to get better. And I became my own advocate. So
0: do you think that was also you learning how to mother yourself? Absolutely, 100%. I,
1: I took control of it. You know, we, we often go to the doctor and you're like, I'm sick. Make me better.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: it's called practicing medicine. Mm-hmm. You practice it because they're trying to get it right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you have to take it into your own. I believe you should take it into your own hands. And,
0: and women in general, sometimes I think we have trouble mothering ourselves. Yeah. We're too busy giving to others. So you learned how to take care of yourself. I did in,
1: in more ways than one. And I also forgave myself because I ha- had a lot of guilt. From my childhood. About what? I think guilt about, you know, I wanted everything to be okay at home. And so I felt guilt because my mother was always a mess. There was never really a father around. So I felt guilt because of that. I think I carried it with me my mm. whole life. And I just was able to forgive myself and forgive my mother.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to ask you that. So you forgave yourself first and then her. And I stopped her- judging
1: my mother. I stopped being a little twit. And I forgave people and myself. When you're dying, you do that. You're like, I got to get this shit together.
0: Like, I don't want to take this with me. Now, did yeah, because, you know, I mean, you were dying. Yes. But even when you were getting better, forgiving your mom... And forgiving yourself, actually, too, but especially your mom. Wasn't that a process? I mean, because, you know, we hear that all the time. Forgive yourself, forgive others. For me, I find in my life, it's not like, bing, a holy instant, which it can be a holy instant. But for you, was it also a process?
1: Yeah. It's all a process. Life is a process. Um, I'm just lucky that I was able to have that journey. Because I think if I didn't, I always say that getting sick saved my life. It just, it changed my life, you know? How, um, how did it save your life? That's it, deep. It made me. It. I always. I always say that, but I. I kind of. I've changed my mind now, because I don't think it saved my life. It, it did, but I'm awake mm. now. I wasn't awake before.
0: Getting sick awakened you. Yes, or nearly Something dying. Something deep
1: inside me. It, it made me more compassionate. For sure. More loving. Um, it gave me empathy. Empathy is so important.
0: You know. How are you living your life differently now? So before you were...
1: I think I lived a lot in the past, and I, I kind of want to make this clear. I look back at my relationship, you know, with my my ex-husband and with with my baby, with Sydney. um, And I realized I had to take ownership of what I brought to that. And I wasn't a whole person then. So I take responsibility for my part of the relationship failing.
0: You owned your stuff.
1: Yes. And, and I was part of the demise of that relationship. And part of that was not being whole and not being loved, loving myself. So how could I love someone else if, if you know, I didn't love myself? And I, that's kind of cliche. But it's true. Or forgive myself or, or, or allow myself to be loved. That's another thing that I learned. So, um, but to, to answer your question about the process of, of the mothering, it, it takes, you kind of have to break it down. You have to accept it and then you have to decide what it is you want. And I wanted to have a relationship with my mom. I wanted it to be okay. So I had to set boundaries. I had to learn to mother myself because my mother's not necessarily my mother. Right. So, and I think I did that, you know, you kind of have to make an emotional plan, just like you make a plan to buy a house or buy a car. You, you make a plan with your life. I made a plan with my illness. I made a plan with my emotional health as well. And so how I live my life now is I'm more authentic and I don't hold on to crap like I used to. You know, I let it go. I let it go.
0: Well... You're human, so have you, have you ever like? I mean, how long do you hold on to something before you let it go, or is it pretty instant now?
1: I think it's pretty instant now. Okay, uh, maybe a day. You know, I'll have you know a little problem for a day, but I, I still have work to do. Mm-hmm. I do. I still have my you know idiosyncrasies with the the relationship, like if, fear of abandonment, fear of getting sick. You know, I live with pain. I li- live with still, you know, the residual of my illness. Um, you know, sometimes I live in, in a little bit of fear of it coming back, but I try not to dwell. I try to just do the best I can with what I have.
0: So you're aware of it. You're aware of your idiosyncrasies, your fear, your issues, which is huge. And then you consciously make an effort to let it go.
1: Yes. And I also sent, set a lot of boundaries for myself too. I don't know if that would help people, but.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: boundaries and everything boundaries and um not being excessive like mm-hmm. i was before because i think i was an excessive personality um my mother is an addict was mm-hmm. an addict and i think that i inherited that and i just have to try not to extra like when i when i say i'm going to do something oh i go do it
0: mm-hmm. like
1: if i'm going to go exercise i go exercise mm-hmm. If I'm going to go buy a pair of shoes, oh, I'm going to buy the most expensive pair of shoes. You know, You're I don't do anything.
0: Balance. Like You're learning right. balance. So
1: balance. balance, I call the for me, it's better to say boundary.
0: Okay. So can you give us an example of your process of forgiving your mom since you've gotten better? I'm sure you've been triggered by something that she's done or said. Give me an example of how you handle the trigger in your process of accepting her
1: one of the things I always wanted from my mother was for her to tell me she was sorry I felt like I was owed an apology and it made me angry for years that she never apologized to me for being not being the mother she should have been and through therapy I learned that my mother was just doing the best she could so I forgave her that was the first thing and then because we did have you know for many years a contentious relationship um I would set boundaries emotionally on when I would speak to her. For every 10 times she called me, I would call her back once. Or I would only speak to her in moments when I called to only converse with her about her life, not when I needed to be mothered, not when I needed advice.
0: Because you knew she couldn't give you those things. She was
1: not going to validate me in the way I needed to be validated. So when I call her and talk to her, I want to know what's going on in her life. I don't have another agenda. So often we have with our personal relationships, whether it's a husband or a friend or your mother, you have your own personal agenda. Sometimes you just have to be there and listening and have no agenda. It's hard not to have an agenda because we all do in every way in almost every relationship. But just to kind of be in the moment and say, "Okay, hey mom, how's it going today?" She loves dogs. How are your dogs?
0: So when you need to be validated, or you're going, you're feeling weak or not together, you're not going to call her for validation. You go Correct. to somebody else for validation. Correct. You call or, her when you're genuinely wanting to know how it's going for her. Exactly.
1: But but uh, the second part of that is, I don't look for outside validation. That is a huge key for me in the mothering. It is key.
0: I validate myself. And how do you validate yourself?
1: You know, it just depends on the the situation. I just try to believe in myself. I just say, look what I've been through. Hey, if I if I can get through what I went through, I can get through anything. And just validate. And that comes with age, too. Like, just accepting yourself. Like, whatever, you know, I got a stretch mark on my butt. Or, oh, you know, I'm not perfect. Or I didn't have a great show on Deco. Just, you know, you move on. And,
0: Self-validation is so key to healing. I, you know, I'm surprised you and I have never talked about this, because um, yes, so many of us look for validation. Well, we can just look at social media, um, and I go through that. Uh, I'm on on a process of healing, um, but as long as we're aware of it, right. that we need, we're looking outside for outside validation. We can validate ourselves first. Correct. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And another thing is. Um, I think in a, in the social media world that we're in, it, you know, you see people's lives and you think they're perfect and it, that's a snapshot. Mm-hmm. That's the yearbook. Mm-hmm. That's the, 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 resume, the best day, you know, life is not easy and it, it's not
0: like that. Life is a daily struggle. Um, it's okay. Life doesn't have an app. It Although pictures have. of Shereen and I will definitely have an <laughs> app. <laughs> They'll be but- blessed, But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's no one's perfect. perfect.
1: And sometimes just being en- enough for yourself is just good enough. Like I always say life at best is boring. I don't want that to sound depressing, but it can be. Not every day can be a birthday. Not every day is an anniversary. Not every day you get a new house. You know, it. it's... it's those- Appreciate the simplicity. Yeah, yeah like when i ride my bike and, and 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 mind you before i got sick i never would have been and I, I never would have bothered with that but just to feel feel the wind and the sun is for me amazing well because you have
0: gratitude now because there was a time when you couldn't even walk or right. feel good okay so to review mm-hmm. what is your best advice for life on how to get through your darkest hours
1: make a plan. Don't be hard on yourself. Draw boundaries. And I used to think putting myself first was selfish, and it
0: gave me guilt.
1: Put yourself first. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself.
0: I think that's great advice because women have a hard time with that. We think loving ourselves is actually proving to other people how great we are, and then it's farther from the truth. Okay. So to review. So I always do a double review. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I know what, <laughs> I know what you're saying. So mother, your advice is to mother yourself, yes. which to me, I, I translate that to being, be nice to yourself, be kind to yourself, take care of yourself. Uh, put yourself first, which is also loving yourself. Make a plan for your emotional and physical health. Like if you're in your darkest hours. Okay. What am I going to do here? Let's have come up with a plan instead of wallowing and feeling bad. Right. Because it will, this too shall pass. For sure.
1: And when you get to the other end, you also got to know what to do.
0: So make a plan for make now plan, yes. and make a plan for the end. Yes.
1: And, and by the way, if you can't make a plan for if you can't see that far ahead, because sometimes problems are so overwhelming, just know you're going to get through it and, and and do it day by day. When what? I was sick, I had to do minute by minute. I couldn't do hour by hour. I was just like, just get through
0: the minute. And that's get a plan. The, yeah.
1: So that's a plan. Yes.
0: Either a minute by minute plan or a big picture plan. Yes. That's actually taking care of yourself, too. And lastly, Shireen's advice, set boundaries, have balance in your life. Yes. Oh, that was beautiful. We could go on and on. Okay. All right. To lighten the mood, before we let you go, Shireen, I'm going to do Lynn's Fab Five, where I get to ask you five random questions. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. What is your ideal man?
1: (laughs) Um, smart, interested, interesting, easy on the eyes and British.
0: Wow. That sounds familiar. (laughs) Um, martini or pasta? Martini. Definitely. Is God a man or a woman or neither? God is everywhere. Do you believe in plunging necklines after the age of 60? I believe that whatever makes you happy, do Amen, it. Amen, sister. And Shereen, last question. What do you love about me? I'm looking for some validation on the outside. God, I can only pick one thing. There's so many things I love well, about you. Well, I mean, it. you could go on and on. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast. But just give me a crumb. Gosh. I have crumb. difficulty receiving. That's why I asked for a crumb. Well,
1: I like it that you're... I like it that you're interested in, in evolving and becoming a better person. It's your mm-hmm. best trait. You just, you, you're always looking for the best and, and the betterment of not just you, but the people around you. And that's a very unusual trait.
0: I don't know if I'm PMSing, but I feel like crying. <laughs> that was beautiful. If you want to know more about Shireen, check out her fashion blog at ShireenSandoval.com. It's actually more than fashion. So actually super deep and also some fashion in there. That's why I love it. You can also check out her social media. She's everywhere, everywhere. Twitter, IG, Instagram, Facebook at shereensandoval.com. A reminder to everybody, submit your questions on adviceforlifewithlynn.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free email. You'll be the first to get my weekly blog on how to live consciously and peacefully. You'll also get access to my free happiness guide when you sign up. Also, I'm looking for guests with different ways that they can help the Advice for Life with Lynn followers. So reach out maybe if you think you've got something to say and you want to be on the podcast. (laughs) Lastly, please subscribe and rate my podcast on iTunes. I really care about what you think. So tell me how I'm doing. I want your thoughts. The links are in the show notes and also on the website. I want to help as many people as I can with this podcast. So your shares, your subscribes and reviews help us gain visibility in the iTunes store and they help us reach more people. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, there is nothing we can't talk about.